Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today, we have several topics and hope to get to all of them. Both of us just got news on Trump's taxes, and there will certainly be a lot of chatter about that over the week but we'll dive into those. I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Breonna Taylor case and what's happening with that. I saw a movie on Netflix called My Octopus Teacher, which I'm going to tell you about, Mike, because I think you'll really like it. Okay. And you are going to talk about Agents of Chaos. Is that by Alex Gibney? I think so. That name sounds familiar. Yeah. He's just sort of famous for doing exposés on, basically, on right-wing subjects. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, well, he exposes quite a bit. I'll tell you all about it. Okay. So Trump's taxes, here's what I understood from what I read, that he has not paid taxes in the last 10 years because he made a great deal of money on The Apprentice and from licensing from The Apprentice and bought a lot of golf courses with that money, which proceeded to lose a ton of money. Mm -hmm. So where he made money, he also has lost it and therefore has declared that he didn't make any money and so has paid $750 in taxes for each of the Mm -hmm. last two years. Mm -hmm. And that he got a tax refund of approximately $72 million, $73 million. That's right. You got it. And he's being audited. And he wasn't wrong. This audit is taking 10 years. And it Mm -hmm. has to be wrapped up this year. So it's the one lie he didn't tell. Oh, yeah. He really is under audit. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But those are 10-year-old taxes. Taxes for 2005 to 2008, but still, but technically, yes, he's he's under audit, but he certainly could have released more recent ones if he had any integrity. Were you surprised that there wasn't, I was looking for the money laundering money. That's what I was surprised. I was looking for Russia and the Times came right out and said they don't have anything on that in his taxes that they've seen so far. Well, I am just shocked. Uh, We don't have 2018 or 2019, you know, and that could be when all of this stuff started to happen. That's true, but I thought that it happened, well, maybe it happened a long time ago. Right, because they said 2013 was when he went to Russia for the Miss Universe. Miss Universe contest, yeah. There is a Russia connection, but apparently nothing untoward so far, anyway, that the Times has revealed has come up specifically about Trump's financial relationship to Russia. But at the same time, the Times said there's more to this story that we're going to be rolling out. Did you did you catch that? They're going to roll it out. So yeah. Like dough? Yeah, that made me happy because I thought, I had just watched Agents of Chaos, which we'll talk about later, but I thought, finally, maybe someone's actually manipulating the system on our behalf. Yeah, well, he did, of course, say that it was all fake news. But the timing is great right before the debates. They said it's, yeah. it's going to be the first question on the debate. Oh, I hope so. It, although yeah. they published the questions that Chris Wallace, who's the mediator, is going to ask and i don't think that his finances were on that list so like a list of topics you mean right yes exactly yeah well no because this hadn't happened yet but i i I think this is going to change that list i hope so i don't know that his taxes will change any minds no Uh, that's the thing what i think is no if you're a trumper this won't affect you at all you'll still be a trumper because you would have to first admit that you had made a horrible mistake and that you had been misled and used and and, no one wants to admit that yes so i i almost have compassion for the mega people on that score but it will depress their impulse to show up and vote i think and I think it will energize the Biden people to vote even more. You think it will depress people who are swing voters? Who are pro-Trump. 
Yeah, or borderline pro-Trump may be indifferent. Yeah. Oh, okay. Outliers. It will depress the Republican vote, and I think it will energize the Democratic vote. You know what I was thinking also about our discussion last week about Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Oh, I do have to mention that Amy Coney Barrett, who is Trump's pick for Supreme Court justice. That was the big news of yesterday. Have you heard about her involvement with this Catholic sect? People of praise. People of praise. Mm -hmm. That they make lifelong covenants with this group yes. and that's not the shocking thing but each person has their sort of their sponsor more or less yeah. sponsor or, yeah. or and in the woman's case it's called a handmaid I know which is really shocking yeah and that those people oversee their dating life their marriage life where they buy a home I mean it's really it's very spooky stuff yeah so, I heard that they did away with the handmaid title after after the series came out yeah. And, I, you know, I've heard good and bad about that group, but you never know who's talking and what, how they're trying to spin it. Well, speaking um, but, of speaking, they do speak in tongues. Yeah. It's a um, charismatic worship, which does involve the speaking in tongues and revelations and all of that kind of stuff. But they can't attack her on that. It'll just boomerang. I did see that she'd given a speech and taken a ton of money, and their mission statement specifically says our mission is to see that God's Christian kingdom is manifested in our government. Whoa. I'm doing that from memory. So the wording that I just Whoa. gave you isn't okay. word for word, but that was the gist of it. And she took a big speaking fee and spoke to them because she's come out at her last hearings for her appellate court spot. Right, for Chicago. And apparently then she said she doesn't believe that religion should influence a judge's legal decisions yes. in any way. So she's playing that real safe. But then she gives speeches and gets paid like $60,000. Anyway, I think they're going to steer clear of anything that could look like they're criticizing her for being religious, especially because she's got this family values lifestyle with the seven kids and two are adopted and one is special needs and two are from Haiti. And I mean, it's going to be hard to attack her on that. I mean, that's the only reason she was nominated. One other piece of the people of praise is that the husband oversees and approves everything that the wife does. Yeah, that's where the handmaid comes in, I think, because if you're a woman, I think your husband has to be your guide or whatever the word is for that spiritual leader. But if you're an unmarried woman, then one of the married women serves as your guide. And that's what they used to call a handmaid. Oh, dear. Yeah, I didn't realize it was spooky. Are you looking forward to, or are you dreading as I am, the debates? Oh, the debates. Well, I wasn't that invested because I know how I'm going to vote. And I've read that the way the electorate is set up now and the way people's views are sort of baked in so deeply already, the debates won't change anything. No matter who has a blowout night, it won't really affect anything. So, you know, I'm curious yeah. to watch and I'll watch. Uh, huh. I watch. <laughs> <laughs> I have to watch them. I just think it's going to be horrendous because it was horrendous when Hillary mm -hmm. um, even won the debates and Trump mm -hmm. was walking around and being oh, so yeah. strange yeah. and, and non-humanoid. Anyway, yeah. so I wanted to talk about the Brianna Taylor oh, Brianna. case. Mm. Oh. Here's what I know. The police were looking for her boyfriend with whom she had broken up. He was a drug dealer. They had lived together, although I don't know that they lived together at her apartment. I think they lived together at his apartment. But they were coming after her, assuming that they would find him in her apartment. She actually had a new boyfriend named Kenneth Walker who carried a gun. He was authorized to carry a gun. And the police say that they announced themselves, but as far as anybody knows, they didn't announce themselves. And they rammed in the front door. And because... 
had some cause to be looking for him. Sorry, okay. he was a drug dealer. And they thought they would find drugs and money. And him. The boyfriend, Walker, was so alarmed and thought that the old boyfriend was the one ramming the door in. Oh. He shot one of the police officers, or there's some question about whether it was his bullet that shot the officer or whether another officer shot one of his own. But one of the officers got shot in the leg, which caused bullets to rain down and hit Brianna Taylor eight times. There were two officers coming in the door. Another one was out on a patio and shot through the patio window. Some of the bullets still went through the wall, and I don't know if they passed through the wall, but that was a barrier to another household where a man, a pregnant woman, and a child were living those people in that other apartment were white. So Brianna Taylor is shot. There's no ambulance, which is customary in times like this for an ambulance to be available. She lived for another six minutes after the shooting and then died. I believe that was in March. And so since March, people have been protesting to try to get the three officers, A, thrown off the force, and B, charged. Right. Two weeks ago, Brianna Taylor's family was given a settlement of $12 million by the Louisville Police Department. And they also, I think it was something like they got the police to change their policy about no-knock entries. On Wednesday, it was announced that the two officers who came in the front door were not charged at all. The officer who shot his gun through the sliding glass door into the apartment was charged with wanton, you know what, I don't disregard. Basically, it's the same thing as if you shot a gun up into the air. It carries maybe a one-year sentence if he's convicted, and people are very upset. And part of the reason is, it's been said, and it's true, the wall that was shot at has more value than Breonna Taylor's life, because that's the one... The one charge that stuck. That's right. So, it's all mess. The FBI is looking into it. There's still mm -hmm. a federal investigation, so mm -hmm. that might cause some heads right. to roll. In the meantime, there is no justice for Breonna Taylor, who was right. a 26-year-old EMT, was getting her life together, mm -hmm. and she was shot. Now, actually, recently I heard five times. I originally heard eight times, so I'll mm -hmm. just say five times, but she was shot five times in her bed, and she was completely innocent, and they are completely guilty. The thing that is the sticking point for the police and what they've kind of pinned their defense on is the fact that the boyfriend fired first. Right. They say. And he fired one shot. Mm -hmm. And if but, he, but that's the shot that hit the, the cop in the leg? They're saying that. I just heard today that the bullet that was taken out of the wound isn't compatible with the gun that was shot. That he shot. Oh, interesting. I don't know about that. I don't know the particulars about that. But it's just a, it's a horrible case. And you know, it's, I don't know what's going on with Ahmed Arbery, who was shot in Atlanta. All of these cases are right, sort of right. trundling guy. along. And there just doesn't seem to be justice for any of them. Yeah, it's very it's, depressing. I mean, I, I could see, if I was sitting on a grand jury, I could see how I would, maybe I would be impressed by an argument that the cops got shot at and their practice is to return fire when yeah. they are fired upon. Where I hope I would ask questions as a grand juror would be, what about the whole fact that the cops caused the whole thing in the first place by exactly. not having the right information? Exactly. And by 
they set off this whole chain of events. So if they're not going to arrest the cops, arrest the person in the department who told them that this suspect they were looking for was at that address. I neglected to mention one of the really heartbreaking things about this is that the boyfriend who was the drug dealer was already under arrest. They already had him. Oh, my God. I know. But the cops did not know that? Apparently not. Apparently Hmm. not. Well, that's, see, that's where, to me, that's where it seems responsibility lies for the cops is that they they were incompetent. Yeah. And their their incompetence caused the whole incident to, to happen. Yes. Yes. So they should yes. bear some, you know, maybe it's not murder, but they should bear some exactly. responsibility. Responsibility. Well, they have that qualified immunity mm-hmm. where if they at all feel or can threatened. say they felt threatened, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then that's their immunity. Right. And the, apparently the police unions are very strong and I'm sure that that's true throughout the country. So it's really heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah. The thing is, too, that the racist men that I've seen, like, I mean, I'm thinking of the one uh, that flipped out at, at uh, Costco or Target oh, yeah. because he had, yeah. wanted to wear a mask. He's typical of them. And he, he said, get away from me. I feel threatened. So, you know, there are white men, probably white women as well, who really are living in a state of threat in their own minds. In their minds. Because the world is changing and they're freaking out. And probably a lot of them serve on police departments. So they're liable to overreact because they truly feel that their life is on the line. I think that's true. And I think that there is what I say is a blue against black mentality Mm-hmm. that the police don't have the same mentality when it comes to white people. And the fact is that the family that was living next to Breonna Taylor was white right. and their safety was valued more than her life. I mean, the potential harm that might have come to them is more important in this judgment than her entire life. More will be revealed. I yeah, think, yeah. Eventually. Uh, eventually. That's so depressing. It's so depressing. No justice for Breonna Taylor. Yeah. Well, if we get a new administration, maybe there will be vigorous. I hope so. I really do. And even if they can't overturn, maybe they can at least um, bring about some kind of change that is healing in some way. I think, I don't know that they screen cops the right way, you know. Well, one of them had just been fired from another precinct. And basically, as someone described it, just walked to the Louisville precinct and got hired. There was no paper trail. There was no looking into his background. Right. So that's the problem. One thing that will happen if Biden is elected is we'll have a different attorney general. That will make a huge difference. Well, yeah, the whole Justice Department will be returned to functional. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Holy smokes. So why don't you mention Agents of Chaos since I'm... Speaking of depressing things. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's really well done and it's good. And I, it's two long episodes. I watched the first one last night. It's over two hours, I think. They're, they're very long. Oh, and it's on HBO. HBO, okay. Yeah, HBO Max. Fascinating, utterly depressing, because they, they start with the troll farms out of Russia and the Internet Research Agency. Agency. Oh, they show how that started, and it started in Russia. So they go into how they started doing this in the U.S., and they just got better and better and better at it. And a large part of it is run. There are two big in- intelligence agencies in Russia. One's attached more to the military, and the other is more like an intelligence unit. The one that is attached to the military is known for being a little, they play hard and fast. The other one is kind of proper and CIA-like. And okay, they have like by the book. Yeah. This other one is they're like cowboys. 
And so they started putting out this stuff on Hillary. And what the, the documentary makes so clear, which is so depressing, is that it's extremely clear that Putin was behind this, although he had a level of deniability because he had a, a middleman who they call the chef because this guy serves him all his meals. Oh, the chef. His name's yes. Prigozhin. And yeah. he was, he's running the operation, still running it. It was done against Hillary. They, you know, they hacked, as we know, the Democratic National Committee and all the emails and all of that. And they created this story out of a non-story that Hillary couldn't be trusted because of her emails. It was crazy. But they yeah. said it enough times that people believed wow. it. They did none of it on the Trump side. There was no attack on the Republican National Committee. There was no attack on Trump. There was no effort to degrade or denigrate Trump. So it was oh. definitely a Russian effort to influence American voters so that Hillary would lose. And it worked. And one of the other sad elements of it is we had people who knew it was happening. We had people in intelligence who knew it was happening. But because Obama and his cabinet, they wanted to play by the rules. There was a group who said, we have to expose this and let the voters know that this is happening. And then there was this other group that said, we can't do it because it's less than 60 days to an election and we don't make anything public at that point. And if we do make it public, it's going to look like we're trying to influence the election. What's interesting to me about this is I have to ask, was Hillary Clinton secretary of state when she ran? Or had she already No, down? she was not. John Kerry was the Secretary of State when she right, was running. Right. Anyway, it's just horrifying. And the tactics they use to hypnotize whole segments of the population. Anybody that goes on any social media, it wasn't huh. just Facebook. It was, they're huge into Instagram, Twitter, all of the social media things because they're really good at forming a fake persona or a fake organization. There was a group called Black Matters US or something like that. It was fake, oh, but, really? but they would pretend to be this grassroots organization of black Americans fighting for justice. And they would come out and say outrageous things about Hillary, what have you. So, I mean, they, wow. were, they were manipulating all these different constituencies. And it worked. And it worked. When you figure that, that Trump in the Electoral College won some of those Rust Belt states by like 10,000 votes. And yeah. they said the black vote in Detroit was so depressed, partly because these black organizations online that looked legitimate were saying, don't vote for Hillary. She's as bad as Trump. She won't help us. The left wing has never helped us. And they, they did a mind control. And I think they said there are 72,000 black voters in that area. I forget if it was Detroit or somewhere else. Oh, really? So had more of them voted, had just a sliver of them voted and voted for Hillary, the election would have swung the other way. Do you want to hear something scary? I yeah. was watching this show. It's a show I really liked that I was going to mention on another episode, but it's called The Larry Wilmore Show. Larry Wilmore was the black correspondent on The Daily Show when Jon Stewart was on it. And then he right. had a show after Trevor Noah called The Nightly Show. And that ended a few years ago. He's got a podcast and now he has a show on Peacock. So he was talking to Charlemagne the God, who is the guy that Biden said to, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. Oh, right, right. Okay, so Charlemagne the God just said exactly what you're saying that black women are all on board for Biden, but that black men are not so sanguine with the Democratic Party has never done anything for black men. And my head started to explode. Hearing this guy, who's a young guy and a very 
public eye talking like this really upset me. It's very upsetting to hear you say that it could come from this Russian disinformation campaign. And that's why I think Julian Assange, that's why I think he's a monster. He helped Putin do this. He helped, he helped with all of it. He had this relationship with Fancy Bear and Roger Stone. Right, they talk about Fancy Bear. Oh, really? And, and Guccifer. They created Guccifer. Guccifer 2.0, yeah. Right. And everybody was like, who's Guccifer? Guccifer didn't exist. It was the same group. It was the Fancy Bear group. Oh, it was really? the, I think they're called the GSR or something, this, this intelligence group linked to the Soviet military. Do you have any sense that we know more now than we did before? I mean, that we have we have well, some defenses against it? I don't know. Maybe part two will reveal some of that. You know, so far, they're just unearthing what, what happened in 2016. Okay, well, I'm going to watch it, even though I'm sure it'll freak me out. <laughs> well, I have something upbeat to okay. talk about. This wonderful movie that I watched because I heard somebody talk about it on a podcast. It's called My Octopus Teacher. First of all, it's one of these nature documentaries that has the most incredible cinematography. It's about a man who is going through a midlife crisis. I'm not sure if he currently lived or if he had just lived as a child on the southern tip of South Africa, which is getting close to the Antarctic. I mean, it's very, very cold there. But he trained himself to swim in this cold water. He learned to hold his breath and go into these phenomenal kelp beds. When I think of kelp beds, I think of, you know, Los Angeles, of the Pacific mm -hmm. Ocean, because it's so warm there. Mm -hmm. No, these are in these icy waters. And in the course of exploring this area, he finds a female octopus and he has to sort of seduce this octopus. He becomes so fascinated with her. And at a certain point, he gains her trust and she reaches out with one of her tentacles and you can see her wrap her tentacle around his finger and you see all the little suckers and it's the most huh. sensual and beautiful thing. It's oh. just it brought me to tears. He ends up having this relationship with her where he sees her every day. He visits her every single day. He knows who her predators are. For one thing, an octopus is an extremely intelligent animal. Right. And they're also chameleons. So mm -hmm. they can transform themselves into almost any shape and any color. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah. But the most fascinating thing is the times when he makes contact with her. And at one point, he has her in his hand and she's small. It's hard to actually see what it looks like because it becomes so many different shapes. It's not mm -hmm. possible, to, except when it's swimming. You can see a shape when it's swimming. But when it's sort of like lying on the ocean floor, mm -hmm. it's got all these tentacles. And one thing that I heard elsewhere, not in this documentary, is that an octopus has several brains and each of their oh. tentacles have brains in them. Wow. So they work independently. Isn't huh. that wild? Yeah. But there's one point where he has her in his hand and he's rising because he has to get air and he's rising through the water and she just stays in his hand and stays in his hand until he's almost at the top oh. and there's another point where she's on his chest and he's just petting her oh my god it's just incredible and wow. like said, the photography is unreal i think he photographed most of her himself you must have had an underwater selfie stick. Something I neglected to mention, he was a photographer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he knew how to work an underwater camera. How convenient. Camera. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, there was film of him 
a lot of film of him. So I don't know where the other camera crew came into the picture. If they were there at the beginning or he said, look, I've got this exciting idea. You've got to come down to the ocean floor with me or how that all worked. But it's really beautiful. And there's sort of a Charlotte's Web thing that happens. And it's just one of those, I don't know, circle of life kinds of very affirming stories that is otherworldly because this thing is an alien creature. And he makes this profound connection with it. It cheered me up. It sort of was like having a squeegee go through my brain. Yeah, it's a metaphor. Yeah. I'm thinking too, it's a metaphor for, for our own interior lives that maybe one reason why stories like that are so captivating is that we have wild, unknown parts of ourselves that we're not in touch with. And so mm-hmm. to see to see someone do it with an actual living, separate creature, it's kind of like, wow, that sense of contact. Yeah. I think that's why some stories about that stuff work so well. Like, like E.T. Yeah. with the fingers touching. We're looking not only for connection with each other, and probably it's parental and psychological, but with ourselves too. He said that he became part of the ocean. Wow. You know, he became part of this oh, other ecological body. Yeah. And that he found a part of himself that he had been missing. Oh, see, there it is. Yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. I really think you'd get a lot out of it. I just think oh, it's yeah, I'm gonna watch so it beautifully sure. done. And we've actually gotten through all of our topics today is that possible i think we did we're out of time so we have to say goodbye now that's it yeah we we had a lot to say and we said it oh it's time okay well goodbye stay safe bye listeners and we'll talk to you again in a week stay strong stay safe bye bye bye